Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. It's going to be our new song, guys. It's going to yeah, be the no. new intro. Forget that. Uh, I don't know. What, what's the music we have now? You found that, right? The the intro music. Yeah, that was uh, produced by Atom Ross, a friend of mine from high school. Yeah, it's pretty cool, but, you know, we may be in for something new, yeah. which will be good morning. Good morning. <laughs> good morning. <laughs> so what's up, man? It's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> we got uh, we got some uh, a new Chappelle stand-ups to talk about. No, yeah. We've got Hawaiian Missile Crisis <laughs> to talk about. <laughs> We've got um, Aziz Ansari to maybe touch on, but not necessarily go too deep into. That that you know what you just <laughs> said has a wholly a wholly different meaning and interpretation after after what transpired, right? Right. <laughs> you know. Uh, so let's start with the uh, somewhat oh. light, which would be, which would be uh, uh, I I watched I rewatched the Godfather trilogy again on Netflix. Oh, there you go. Um, a trilogy which I've owned in many formats. Yeah, if you if you don't know, Joe has has a has a picture of Marlon Brando tattooed on his stomach. It's actually on my ass. <laughs> <laughs> Wholly different meaning. <laughs> Wholly different meaning. Wholly different meaning. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I basically forced my 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 girlfriend to watch it because she never watched them before. She right. couldn't remember if she watched them. You know, I made an offer she couldn't refuse. No, but and then um. Uh, she was that like I'll clean the house if you please please, please <laughs> watch the Godfather? <laughs> yeah, pretty pretty much. Right? Like, you want these groceries? Mm-hmm. You can get have these groceries, but you gotta watch the Godfather. <laughs> I love how you were like I forced it. I'm sure it was more like please watch this with me now. <laughs> <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Just to clarify, I have a, a a tattoo of Marlon Brando from the Godfather on my stomach, and the one from Apocalypse Now is on my ass. <laughs> 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 Because when when people see it, I want them. All right, now I have no tattoos. Oh, can you imagine? Can you imagine this guy going? Can you imagine like going to like uh, like you had to like uh, do like a physical? (laughs) 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 The hell is this? He's like uh, cough, Marlon. No. Uh, I don't know how that got took that weird turn, but anyway, uh, so you're revisiting the Godfather with your girlfriend, with your lovely girlfriend, who I had the pleasure of meeting this past yes, few years, and yes. she's awesome. Uh, wh- how'd that go? Uh, how did she, she, she receive them? She, how did you receive them, having probably seen them for like the hundredth time? But you yeah. know, like <laughs> whatever. She, I mean, she reacted the way most people reacted. The first two are amazing. The third one, she had a hard time comprehending right i kind of went through that too again you know and well you know my stance we've spoken about this off uh mic and uh i think that the third listen the the third one has some some really really bad parts <laughs> and it's a so really weird. really bad <laughs> choice in casting um sofia coppola uh as uh, but we would totally if she was here right now we would totally want her to direct us. Hey, listen, I love Sofia Coppola. I think she's one of the best working filmmakers today. Her acting has nothing to do with her yeah, filmmaking. Right, right. Her acting is right. not good in that movie. But um, I think, and I've told you this, and you know, I may get some backlash for this, but I think there are some genuinely like genius moments in that film. 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, we were talking about the other day about the scene in the garden when he's confessing to the priest. The priest, and it's like, like just every everything he the way he's saying it, the way he's breaking down. Oh man, you know, I killed I killed my mother's my mother's son. Yeah. I killed my father's son, and like he just really. But it's it's amazing, it, and know. it's like probably some of the best acting Pacino, like some of the, like the last good acting yeah. Pacino did. Yeah, because like, I believe he did Scent of a Woman. Well, yes, after. I was about to but say Scent, I was about to make a Scent of a Woman. Right, joke, right, right. Which, by the way, I've never watched. <laughs> I've seen. He's not. He won the Oscar for Scent of a Woman. He's not bad in it, but he's also not. I think his performance is better in Godfather Three, but. Scent of a Woman was like, they felt like they owed him the Oscar by that point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Chris O'Donnell's in it. <laughs> that says it. Exactly. The, yes, the, the guy that played Robin in uh, Batman and Robin. And Batman and Forever. And Batman Forever is in Scent of a Woman. I've never watched Scent of a Woman. My grandmother probably has watched Scent of a Woman. My parents probably have. As a matter of fact, I can I probably recall my mom going to the library and renting Scent of a Woman. <laughs> I don't plan on watching Scent of Woman in the immediate <laughs> in the immediate in the immediate future. The funny thing is that Jordan's gonna come in next week like so I watched Scent of Woman. Yeah, absolutely absolutely. Absolutely. It's gonna be like Copland. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Would Jordan would Jordan watch this winter? Um, <laughs> um but yeah, no, it was uh it was it was took me down memory lane a little bit watching the the trilogy. Right. Um I guess to make to to bring the relevancy back to the audience the entire Godfather trilogy is on Netflix right now at this moment. Get out there, so, check it out if you, especially if you haven't seen. Yeah, it. especially if you haven't seen. Go and it. see it. Um, you know, and there's, a, you know, there probably are better films that you could probably watch out there. <laughs> Godfather one and two. I mean, I mean, God, yeah. in regards to Godfather three. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. but Godfather right. one and two. If you haven't watched them, you have to, you have to watch them and get a, a Marlon Brando tattoo on your stomach and uh, and your ass. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, I revisited Godfather three this year, like this past year, uh, twenty seventeen, and uh, on blu my Blu ray before it was on Netflix, and that's when I was like, especially during that moment with the priest, uh, I was like, wow, like there are some no. genuinely great moments because I remember I had probably before this past year it probably been like five to eight years since i had seen it maybe even a little longer than that and so like i feel like each time you see it like you you like when when i was young i was a kid and i saw i was like this movie blows then it was like later on i was like "Eh, it's not great but like each time it gets better and better uh I don't think it's going to, I think obviously that'll hit a ceiling at some point <laughs> because nothing's going to change <laughs> Sofia Coppola's performance. And uh, at points, um, Andy Garcia is a little rough too, but I think when we were speaking, some of that may be more due to the writing of his character than yeah. necessarily his performance. He's a little over the top. Though. Yeah, he's a little over the top. Yeah. I think um, one thing I really appreciate about the movie were these uh, great... Uh, I love this like review of... Uh, of uh, Godfather three, uh, like twenty seven years later. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think the, uh, like the shots of of Sicily are amazing. Yeah. You know. Um, yeah, it's a it's it's a, it's a rough film, and if you if you put in the context of what else came out around the same time, like Goodfellas came out, I think within the same. Yeah, it was like the following year. The following year. Yeah. And Casino came out a few years after yeah, that. It was about 94, 95, right? 95, right. right. And then if you want to even, if you want to talk about the decade, 
The Sopranos came out in 1999. Right. You know, Donnie Brasco. Donnie Brasco, right. another underrated film mm-hmm. to this day. Um, wise guys keep their bills in uh, rolls. <laughs> keep one the of, beaner on top. <laughs> you know, my favorite one. Of, <laughs> so my fa- like, it's funny because like I don't remember. There's, there's only like two parts of that movie I I truly remember. It was uh, wise guys keep their bills in rolls, and then beating the crap out of a Japanese dude. Right. And I don't know. I think it's a slept on movie. If you haven't watched Donnie Brasco, Donnie totally Brasco watch Donnie Brasco. It's not a bad movie. No, it's man. a great movie. <laughs> it's a pretty great movie. Yeah. Uh, I remember to keep the beaner on top, and like to this day, like that's how I yeah I you handle <laughs> cash in my pocket. Yo, every right? time I put money in my wallet, yeah, I was thinking about that too, yeah, right? Yeah. As crazy as it sounds. Thank yeah. you, Al Pacino. Al Pacino. I think an Al Pacino Actually, tattoo. We were just talking about it. That's a good performance by Pacino, which is after Scent of a Woman and after Godfather Three. Right. He's and, good in Donnie Ross. And before you don't know jack <laughs> damn jordan throwing shade over here on the 8 a.m show i didn't watch you don't know jack uh, <laughs> i haven't haven't seen it either but <laughs> he's um, uh yeah i don't know you know what i i will say this and actually i guess this is another bit of news that came out this week that we can throw in here he uh apparently tarantino's like circling him for a role in his new 60s era uh, Manson family as the backdrop film, and uh, I'm kind of excited for that. I think Pacino in a Tarantino film is kind of amazing. I think him with that dialogue and with that director sort of like reining him in because you know Pacino can just go very big. Oh, yeah. Uh, I feel like that can that don't you know, potential. Supporting actor nomination, like that's that that's the formula for supporting a, for like a Oscar nom, like a year, right. like two years from now. Right. Just saying, as long as he doesn't like go crazy or something like that, or like I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm looking forward to the Irishman. Oh yeah, the Irishman's gonna. It's be been great. in development for like twenty years. <laughs> <laughs> I am, uh, I am skeptical to say the least about the the de aging process they're gonna be doing with the visual effects. But apparently, Scorsese says it's it's like crucial to the to the film that that they do it that way that they sort of de-age uh, Robert De Niro. So and it's made the budget skyrocket, which is crazy. It went from like a hundred million dollars to like now it's like almost two hundred million. Wow. Um, so are they just gonna take like his face from Godfather Two and transplant? Basically, <laughs> <laughs> they're gonna do what, what they did with uh, Carrie Fisher, God rest her soul, uh, at the end of um, uh, Rogue One. Sort uh, of what they did with Grand Moff Tuck, Peter Cushing, like they brought oh, him back right, to life. Right, sort of right. Benjamin Button. I think it's like they're really using the Benjamin Button stuff. So right. It's like, okay. Uh, so it'll be like I think like little makeup, but mostly like CGI. Gotcha. The age. Gotcha. Um, so we'll see. But he 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 seems to think it's crucial. Right? Like people were asking, why are they not just getting a younger actor to play him at these other points in his life? And Scorsese says it's crucial that De Niro be in the role. So, yeah. okay. uh, wh- who am why I? Don't, why don't we get the guy from from a Bronx Tale who went to jail? Yeah, that's back now. Right? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't want that guy. Can't act, man. I'm sorry. Well, you know, the, I remember they, they, the reason they casted him in uh, Rockstar was that he looked like a young De Niro. Yeah, I <laughs> mean, I don't know about that either, but maybe he did. Uh, he was also in The Sopranos for like, for like two episodes. Yeah. Um, he made the 
the real fatal decision. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm just saying, who am I to, to to question Scorsese? So I'm going to go with the film. No, you're absolutely, you're absolutely The man's right. my favorite filmmaker, and he's the greatest living American filmmaker right yeah. now. So. No, I agree. Um, Speaking of Netflix, though. If not the greatest American filmmaker. Right. Sorry for cutting No, no. To, um, Speaking of Netflix, though, um, I think uh, you and I have been talking about the recent uh, Dave Chappelle specials. Yes, e- we have. Equanimity. Yep. And The Bird Revelation. Right. Which I have uh, not seen The Bird Revelation. I've, I, I'll i come clear. I've only seen Equanimity. Right. Uh, I admit, I, I, f- I felt that some of the criticism about The Bird Revelation was warranted. Right. The criticism about equanimity was completely like unwarranted and not completely unwarranted everything is not above critique but right um equanimity is mad funny <laughs> like, <laughs> just a bit of a stretch yeah it's a bit of a stretch like i'm not even gonna sit here and act like 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 i like it, it isn't de- deserved in some capacity but right. what i was reading was just not adding up to the level of 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 humor that was being conveyed by Chappelle. um we've talked about this before and I guess we could reiterate this again, was that if we want to context, add some context to this, you know, what Chappelle's doing is a little une- can be a little uneasy at times, but I think it's a little unfair, given that he he's not afraid to touch upon some of these topics, and in a way that it tries to come off as meaningful. Right. You know, there's a lot of comedians who go off on tangential like comedic spiels that don't add value to what they're trying to say. You know, Chappelle openly talks about being in support of everything from uh, every, everything that you would consider part of the quote unquote liberal agenda, if right. you will. You know, but he's going to be able to poke fun at, at it in some capacity, you know, um, and he pokes fun at the quote unquote uh, deplorable base that voted for Donald Trump. Right. He pokes fun at himself in the previous Netflix Netflix specials. He pokes fun at himself. Um, from his uh, his uh, skit on or his uh, opening monologue from Saturday Night Live right. earlier in the year, so I think like a lot, especially well, people thought he was a Trump supporter. <laughs> <laughs> well, he he says it in the in equanimity, mm. right? Where he's like, "Yo, the thing is yeah, like he addresses it outright. He addresses it outright." And I thought like the last set of specials that came out on Netflix, I thought were good. Yeah, uh, this age of spin and deep in the heart of Texas. Texas. I think yeah. those were even. <clears throat> I think this one was even better. Ah. The fact that he connected those two together, right? Um. So yeah, I think it's a little unwarranted. I think we need more people that are willing to go there. Right. Um and I frankly think I mean, like I said, the second one I wouldn't necessarily applaud him entirely outright right. for that one, but equanimity, I think we should applaud him for that one. Right. Yeah. Uh I personally So I've only like I said, I've only seen three out of the four specials he's done for Netflix. And uh first off I thought I've I've enjoyed all three thoroughly. I thought that equanimity is better than Deep in the Heart of Texas, I agree. and probably right up there with Age of Spin. Maybe a little better. Maybe I don't. I, I would I would want to go back and watch Age of Spin and like sort of compare the two. But the thing I love that he does with equanimity is that he he addresses yeah. sort of the backlash from those two stand, especially Age of Spin, and. He addresses it. He says where he stands. And he lets you know where he stands, but he also tells you why he said what he said. Yeah. Right. And you know, like just as a guy who's like, to be honest, like I'm afraid that like when people start attacking free speech, it it, it gets 
again, you know, it gets worrisome. I'm just saying. I, listen, if he was being malicious, that's one thing. But he's doing a stand-up special. And I, in 2018, I think we're going to try to to have a fax down. But I, I'm not going to remember the name of Patton Oswalt's uh, article or where it was posted. But I'll, I'll try to get that for next time. But Patton Oswalt... Oswalt wrote a great article about sort of the yeah. you know the dangers of like too much censorship especially as a comedian in, in sort of censoring what they're able yeah, to say right i think part of the issue too and when they talk about it on college campuses i think they compartmentalize too much of it right, right. um you shouldn't go up dressing as a native american or in blackface on halloween that's right. offensive right live with that and to like, be outright outright this is offensive right, offensive, yeah. right? um if you are Native American and you're dressing up as a Native American, people may spare you a little, may spare you. But I want you to think that if you're dressing up as in this like stereotypical garb on Halloween, then right. you're probably disrespecting your ancestors. <laughs> right. 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 Especially since like Halloween is kind of like you're in costume. You're like, so like you're kind of relegating that right. to that when it's not, right. you know? Um, if, but, you're, if you're dressed up in blackface, well, that's, there's, that's, no, there's no way around there's that. No, no way around <laughs> there's, there's no way around that shit, you know? But, I don't know, you know, but I think, you know, there's a difference. Like, if Chappelle is just speaking about what he, you know, making some jokes about how he felt about things, especially, like, he speaks very much about, like, how he felt about these things in the moment, like, before he, like, thought about it. So he's just sort of giving you his initial reaction to things. Right. I have no problem with that, man. Like, again, like... We we're gonna, be gonna we're gonna become two PC man. You're yeah. not gonna be able to say anything. There's also this like like n- notion that everything he's saying is like completely exactly what happened. Like when he was talking about the interracial couple, which right. I thought was like one of the best like oh, parts yeah, of yeah. the whole of the whole special. How much of that? Like I would say, about, I mean, he's either really really truthful. Right. He's really a really good storyteller, right. which he's a great storyteller. He's one of the best storytellers I think in comedy, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Or it's like 50-50, you know what I mean? Where it's like he took some of what happened and then he kind of, tr- like, you know, injected some humor that he thought of that, like while he was writing it. Right. You know, and so I'm like, either you believe that this actually happened and you're, like, maybe a little offended. Right. Or the shit's fucking... Or you just, like, take it for what it is and you laugh at it. But let know? me tell you, you know why people are offended by it? Because one of the reasons his Hashtag stuff is... the liberal agenda. Here we go. <laughs> Hashtag the liberal agenda. Let me tell one of the reasons people are offended by it is, and one of the reasons why I think he's so successful at what he does is, he speaks a lot of truth. So I think some of the stuff that he says, people may have had that initial reaction, and then were like, oh, it's wrong, and now, oh, he can't say that. Like, they get offended because they may have felt that, or they, you know, they know someone who felt that, their husband or their wife felt that. He's speaking truth. He was just saying what his initial reactions were when right. some of these things happened. And not necessarily that this is a standpoint that he's taking, but like this is what happened, you know. Yeah. And I think that's why people truth makes people scared, man. Right. Just saying, Dave Chappelle speaks truth. I remember watching Age of Spin in particular and being like, thinking to myself, "This is hysterical," but whoa, people are gonna come after him. But like right. the fact that like I had to even think that was like I know. crazy. I know. Well, I mean, I think one issue that I take is that there's this perception that a lot of these comedians were like these kind of like liberal vanguards and mm-hmm. whatnot. And I'm like, a lot of c- humor or comedy was never predicated on that. I admit, like I think um, Chris Rock has usually typically um, 
done a better job of like like kind of towing that line a little bit. Um, well, the thing is, is Chris Rock has is, is changed. He's changed. Like, no, early, he early in his oh, career, man, he yo, didn't tow oh, that line. Man, he stepped yo, over that yo, line. Yo, bring the oh, was it? Oh um, yeah, man. Bigger and blacker, and uh, bring the pain were like two of the incredible things. But the thing is, is he's not towing a line. Like he, he's stepping over the line. Yeah. Now, as he's gotten older, and he's sort of like reining himself back. And uh, people are like, oh, you know, he knows how to handle a little better. But like when he was most success successful, he was he was not PC. Right. At all. And the thing with Chappelle too is that he's always like Chappelle's almost. Chappelle, I mean, Chris Rock has always been kind of positioned as more of like that liberal vanguard. And right. he, he talks about like how I know in the past he's when he's been interviewed. I believe I forgot which publication it was with, but he did mention that the way he looked at it was that um, John Stewart's more of a centrist. Right. And then Bill Maher is a little bit more left of of John Stewart, right. and it's it's really if you look at it, it's it's true. Like John Stewart really, like a lot of people tag him as like a leftist liberal, but like he's actually speaking a lot to like progressive issues that should be adopted by both sides, right? Right. Whereas Bill Maher is almost like like he is he in some ways he kind of um, invokes like that 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 rhetoric of like. Of like un- unfiltered free speech. That's why he had a show called Politically Incorrect right, in the exactly. 90s, right? Um, and I think that applies to to Chris Rock as like a centrist in some ways. But the fact that he can talk openly about those two um, comedians or those two comedians who deal in politics kind of right. speaks to like what he represents too, which is in some ways very elitist, right? right. Chappelle is more of like the everyman. You know what I mean? That's why he can kind of re- like he can retreat back to what some would consider crude. It's more it's cruder humor in some ways, right? It's f- but it's crude humor that I think a lot of people, especially from our generation, right. understand. I've said it in the past. Like if you listen to old, if you listen or listen or watch old episodes of Def Comedy Jam, right. they're even less filtered. Right. You know, um, oh, way less, yeah. way less filtered. You know. Um, even I mean, even Chappelle's earlier stand-ups. Like I don't know at what point like he was supposed to be the quote-unquote liberal vanguard. Maybe because he had the roots playing for him at some point. <laughs> Maybe because he had a a block party. That I think was that's really kind of because like killing you know, him softly, put him on the map. Then he did the he did the the, the Showtime one, yeah. which like went up there. But both politically incorrect. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh wait, the second one especially, I even got a little uncomfortable at certain parts of it. But killing him softly, I mean, this guy was talking about babies in the pride. <laughs> right. But first off, that is one of the greatest stand-ups of all time. Hey, well, it is. It is. But, uh, and then, obviously, his show catapulted him. But, like, um, no, like first off, listen, I uh, I won't say much about, like, what he said. Because I saw Chris Rock do a taping of a new a special he's going to do. He did here in Brooklyn a couple months ago. Uh, and I could hysterical. Love Chris Rock. But... He's not operating at the level he was at, you know, when some of those original stand-ups came out, where Chappelle right now, killing him softly, right? One of the greatest ever. But, like, Chappelle's still operating on a level where, like, he can put out some stuff that can be considered some of the great ones. Like, these right here, you know, you never know. Let, let time tell where they're going to be. But I feel like he has another one or two or three, maybe, that he's going to do where one of those could end up being, like, an iconic, like, you know... Stand up, like I said, some of the I I think age of spin and equanimity, one of those two are gonna end up sort of like taking off and becoming like you know yeah a temple. But but my point being, 
I get what you're saying, but it's like even Chris Rock. Chris Rock sort of got to where he is now because Chris Rock. Yeah. There was a great um, pain. My goodness. Yeah, man. There was a great uh, HBO did a roundtable with uh, Chris Rock, Jerry Seinfeld, um, Louis C.K. <laughs> and uh, I'm forgetting the fourth comedian. Uh, but it's on HBO. If you want, if you have HBO Go, you can go find it. And it, one of the great things they talk about is how sort of Chris Rock sets up his stand-up. Yeah. So he basically yeah. sets up a story, but his stuff is so elaborate that he has to keep repeating stuff. So right. It, it, right. it's like he'll say blah 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 blah, and then this blah 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 blah, and then it, and he'll right. keep repeating it because he's giving you this long story. And he still does that, like that's still his format. But but what he chooses to necessarily speak about, uh, I agree, has become a little more like, yeah, not necessarily PC, but it's like leaning towards that side. Yeah, Whereas like yeah. Chappelle is, you know, he's still well. Look and at, I feel like he's never right. gonna cross that. Like I feel like Chappelle's like I'm gonna say what I want to say yeah. and I'm gonna do it. His his SNL appearance, he says something at the end, like you know. If America gave Obama a chance, and well, I think we should just give Trump a chance, right? right? He was just saying what he said, wanted to say at the at the moment. Right, he wanted to make people feel like yeah. we're not deaf, we're yeah. not gonna like sink into a hole. Well, exa- exactly, that, exactly. Well, right. And he addresses that, and I, I think that's one thing about Chappelle and Chris Rock doesn't really do like the like I guess like Chris Rock's um, ongoing story in a special is like relegated to that special, whereas right. with Chappelle. Um, his ongoing story goes from like this actual tour dates that he does, they, like you know what I mean, the appearances that he does, and I thought that was really smart of, right. of for him to do because, in some ways, it makes you want to watch him more. What's right. he gonna? How is he gonna address the thing he said last time? Right, right. What's he gonna say this time? Who is he gonna address in between that? Right. right? That's why I'm like Netflix. Keep putting out those specials. Give keep that going. guy. Give that guy a show. Hell you know yeah. I mean? You know. You know. Like. 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 Audible, give this man a a, <laughs> a, a, a podcast series like right. I like Patreon. I don't know if Patreon. I don't know if Chappelle's going to do right, Patreon. So Ch- Chappelle, I, uh, Chappelle could get a podcast <laughs> series in a heartbeat. Yeah, no, right. You know right. Uh, <laughs> WNYC, <yeah. laughs> Gimlet. Uh, um, but in any event, I I feel he was saying what he said at the moment on SNL. Right. And then in this recent one, he regrets it you know and then he gives you an example of like now every time i go to the barbershop i'm the guy that everyone's just like oh how's your president doing? <laughs> right. <laughs> right but the funny thing is it's he doesn't even necessarily regret it because because uh, he regrets what he said he, re- he regrets it because like the backlash yeah. is kind of get. but here's the thing is that chris rock wouldn't say that now i don't think chris rock would say something like he did on like what he did on snl what he did what, what Chappelle did on snl right I don't expect no. Chris, Chris Rock, Rock would wouldn't do that now you know, for sure. Because he'd have to openly make a comment about right. Trump's like inability to lead. Right, right, right. But see, he'd have to open up with a comment right. about shithole countries. <laughs> right. But the problem is that's that's another thing that went on this week that we we could address, uh, or this past week. Or did uh, he say that? We don't know. And we don't know. We Nobody don't know. knows. <laughs> <laughs> Except for like 12 people. Exactly. Who was committee. sitting there, <laughs> you know, just watching him say it like in horror. Uh, <laughs> the thing is, is with the with what Chappelle said on SNL is all about how you perceive it. Because when I watched him do it, I was like, oh, he's just trying to set people at ease. He's just trying to say, this is messed up situation. This is a messed up situation. But... We're going to make it through. Let's see where it goes. But four years, we can make it. 
This is what we're going to do. Exactly. Other people saw it as, oh, he's supporting He's an Trump. apologist. He's yeah, an apologist. He's an apologist. And it's like, that's not what he was doing. In that same episode, there's a skit about election night with Chris Rock in it. Right, yeah, yeah. And it's one of the smartest skits, I think, in in recent memory from Saturday Night Live. Yeah, because you know? it hasn't been <laughs> a ton of great ones lately. But what did they address? They addressed, like, the, the white liberal vantage point of of how they felt on election night. Right. And then the whole reaction. And then the things we were saying were just completely, like, out of whack from, like, the black experience. Right. right? Which I thought was really smart. Yeah, yeah, You know, and, you know, it was great that Chris Rock actually part- partook in it. But like I said, he's not going to, like be the guy saying like oh let's right, give this right, guy right, a chance right. you know <laughs> yeah he's just he's not that like uh so like i'm trying not to say like too much about his like stand-up because you know it was like spoilers. one of those close your phones but let, let me just say this he's he's his stuff seems like a little maybe more family oriented stuff like that which is totally fine speaks to a lot of real life that's yeah. great but uh yeah you know Chappelle's. I think Chappelle's more willing to dig into like pop culture and like what people are talking yeah. about now, and uh, it makes for successful standups, but also tons of criticism that's gonna come his way. Yeah, but uh, I would highly recommend Equanimity. I think it's great. I, uh, I think the fact that he he addresses uh, the f- previous two, especially Age of Spin, uh, I think was like a smart move. For, Absol- for oh, absolutely. And now I have to see uh, the bird what, revelation because yeah. I keep hearing like maybe some of the criti- criticism is warranted. You were saying so. Yeah, I mean, my, my only thing is that in the general, my top level criticism is just that he could stand to use less of the N word, less of the B word and less of the H word. That's just. But but that's like not the bulk of the criticism is not about that, <laughs> right? You know, <laughs> no. Um, when I think of those words though, it's like contextually, right? It's like I said, I just watched The Godfather, right? Right. <laughs> like, oh boy. You know what I mean? I know where you were going. Like th- those guys use the, use those words in a much different kind right, of language, right, 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 right. right? Um, and the crazy thing though is that with with Chappelle, it's like I just think the the, the amount of times he uses it. In both specials, he could probably stand to cut down on this a little bit. It's he may cr- be using it to to kind of get that rise right, out of people right. too. But in The Godfather, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's much different kind. Right. right, right, right. <laughs> hey, shifters! If you like conversations and you like shows that will point out all the things that men do to hide their insecurities and the weird ways that they try to connect with men and women. You will love the podcast, Other Men Need Help, which is produced and hosted by me, Mark Pagan. And you can find it on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or the website, othermenneedhelp.com. So I know in the last few weeks or so, the topic of discussion was the recent allegations coming out against Aziz and Zari. Uh, Joe and I decided to speak with a few people um, in regards to it, as it was kind of difficult for us to hold this conversation about feeling like we might make a few people upset in the process. So we spoke with a few people that we knew and hopefully would be able to help us illuminate the situation. One of those people was Keith, a media maker in downtown Brooklyn. Well, here's the thing. I think that so often in these cases, the 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 sort of the rebuke to 
this the women who talk about feeling uncomfortable or being made uncomfortable or being pushed is well why didn't you just leave and i think that the reality is that is ignoring a couple things one thing is it's ignoring is our basic social desire when we're in a romantic date-like situation to have things go well and to give people a chance and it's very clear from reading the article that she really liked him she thought he was charming and Aziz Ansari is a charming guy he built a whole like he's built a whole comedy platform and personality on being a charming affable sensitive aware dude so you're faced with someone's public persona that's the one that you're used to and the persona that you've only been dealing with for at this point a few minutes keith made a very interesting point here he later on elaborated i think the thing is like men men or people who say that all you have to do is say no they're also ignoring that like i think that beyond the desire for a date or an evening to be fun they're also ignoring that like there's a certain amount of uh expectation i think that women are more culturally pushed to be pleasing and uh try to like get over the things that they're upset about i'm not saying that's the right thing to do i just think that you want something to go well there's the extra pressure of like you know if there's a power dynamic that exists in this context it's that aziz ansari is a well-known cultural figure who's created a like i said who's created a kind of culture of 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 warmth around himself so it's there there the cognitive dissonance that that presents when he's kind of being a sketchy dude has to be powerful also in the process we spoke to mark the host of other men need help and here's what he had to say i actually didn't read the piece for a week i heard all this stuff and i was like oh man i don't know if, if i want to read it i finally read it and um I have to admit my conflict or, or the things that I have is that like I I'm realizing it's this time is positively making myself and I think making other men very self-conscious. And I don't say that in a bad way. I am realizing that there are a lot of behaviors that I I misread over the years and I it's making me very um I'm feeling pretty tongue-tied these days. And I'm having to, to go back and analyze a lot of my own behavior. I uh it's taken me a few weeks, but I'm happy of with, I, I was a little upset initially, but I'm happy with what this conversation specifically from this Ansari thing. And I think the positive side is that where a lot of men, I feel like have responded to this piece were like, well, you know, she could have left or she could have done that. Um, I feel like the positive side is this opens up even a further and more nuanced conversation about beyond consent, um, just power dynamics and uh, sort of a lot of things that men, especially heterosexual men, are um, invisible to or seemingly invisible to. Uh, they, they, they're blind to it. So that's that's sort of these are my thoughts. And uh, again, I'm, I'm careful to, to talk about it in the right way, in a way that's... Uh, <laughs> I guess a way that's sensitive to the issue and also that also represents that I, I still need some time to think about it. And yet, of course, one thing that was eating away at us was the simple fact that we didn't get a chance to speak to more women and get them on record talking about this. But the one person that we did get a chance to speak to was a broken-based poetess by the name of Andy who shared with us an unequivocally important vantage point. Coming from like my side of it, like being like a woman who's dated and like been in dating circles, I guess it's um, it's interesting because like the same the same culture that makes it so Aziz and sorry doesn't ask questions or like is not clear with his ver nonverbal cues is the same culture where like like 
I've in the past or people I know, like women I know, have not spoken up for themselves and said like I'm uncomfortable with this. And so it's like a time for women too to kind of like be internally like how many times have I just gone with something like gone along for the ride without saying anything um, because I was afraid or I didn't want to make him to to make someone feel like I I guess I didn't want to like hurt their feelings or have them be violent or whatever it is Um, and like that's all kind of the same culture so I guess for me like in addition to being like why like why are it's really important for women to be like, why am I so afraid? And like the reason is because like we've seen like other examples where men have reacted really badly. And then ultimately she finished off by saying, well, I think it kind of goes to show that like we all kind of have a lot to learn, even though like I don't like doubt. I don't know Aziz Ansari is the, is the real truth. Like, I don't know anything about that guy. And I, can judge him by his art to a certain extent, I guess. But, you know, like, let's say that the master of none and its kind of progressive views, like the kind of tone that it's going for is an example of Aziz Ansari's internal um, journey. Like, let's say it is. Let's say it's an example of him being like, really like, oh, like, how can I better, how can I better this world for women? And how can I better this world for women who are dating? I think even for those people, like, you can still make mistakes. And, like, that's kind of really understandable given, like, all the messaging we get, like, when we're growing up and all the messaging we get, even in even in media today. Like, I wouldn't say that Master of None is a perfect show. Um, so I guess it just means, like, no one's, like, it's systematic. And that's kind of where I've landed on the whole thing. And kind of what I was saying about the culture of blame earlier is that I would really like to move away from that entirely. Like I'm, and not to say that men shouldn't be held accountable. Like I'm not saying that like Harvey Weinstein and Bill Cosby shouldn't be held accountable for their actions, but I just think like it's more helpful to think of it as like, you know, breaking down that system rather than like blaming people and the same and I see it like on both sides if you will but like I see it when people say like oh she should have left she had she had a chance to leave his place or he had a chance to do this you know whatever it was like I I would really like to move away from blame and be and promote a culture of dating that's more like what do you like should I keep going is this you know are are you enjoying this just simple questions that are not that are not that have don't have the blame at the root of them so that was just uh you know a couple of opinions from uh people outside of the 8 a.m shift who we you know respect and you know just friends and stuff which i think was cool because we were kind of like figuring (laughs) dancing around it figuring out a way to sort of get other people's opinions in on this thing so yeah. Uh, hopefully that was a little bit insightful for yeah. you guys. And if you want to message us or send us any comments in regards to it, please feel free to email us 8amshift at gmail.com. DM us on the gram at 8amshift. Um, and if you want to, if you feel comfortable sharing those comments or you want us to read them or anything in, you know, to that effect, please let us know. Um, and that's, pretty much it we want to open up the conversation yeah man we're always uh, glad to hear what you uh, what the shifters have to, to say. say absolutely uh cool that's another one we'll yeah. uh, see you guys later shifters all right